Mino Lion Media presents Conversations with Dr. Ian Smith. Tracy Moore is the woman behind the big names, from Dave Chappelle and Jon Stewart to some of the biggest names in the recording industry. Casting director, producer, director, comedian, and acting coach, she has and can do it all. I want to learn more about the process and how someone who has a dream to be on the screen can actually get there. Tracy Moore, welcome to the conversation. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me to the conversation. Yes. What is a celebrity acting coach? <laughs> um, a celebrity acting coach. Well, uh, the majority of my clients happen to be celebrities in a lot of different ways. Um, they are celebrity actors, athletes, hosts, voiceover, and they're transitioning. And so I guess there's a different way to handle celebrities than there are in handling aspiring and working actors. Yeah. I mean, you look at your client list, Buster Rhymes, Eve, Darius Rucker from Hootie, Fabulous, 50, Fat Joe, Lala, you name it. It seems like everyone who has been on a billboard <laughs> uh, has, has, has been in your, your class. But while it may be different I've worked with celebrities before on Celebrity Fit Club and helping them right. lose weight. So I understand that it is a different way of handling them. However, even though the way you handle them needs to be different at times, the work is still the work. Absolutely. And when I speak at handling them, um, my platform for actors, I'm an advocate for actors. I love actors. All my friends are actors. I've been on journeys. And so um, what's different in handling a celebrity is that, you know, they they can't go into the store, right? They can't um, walk down the street and just enjoy the fresh air. And so um, I feel like um, I'm a part of their journey, not just as a coach, but as their friend or their confidant. And so um, the other thing is that they don't have the luxury of time that someone who is committed to just being an actor has. They have dual careers. They're a musical artist. They're a model. And so I try to create templates that are easier for them to be able to access and, and 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 perform as opposed to you know aspiring actors who you know are coming and getting all the tools and shaping and all of that. So you have a class called the Spirited Actor, correct? Yes. Talk to me about the logistics, the mechanics of that. It's in a studio. Where is it? How do people sign up? Talk to me about that class, or is it something that is booked by appointment only? How does that work? So there are two ways that I work. I currently have a new class starting on March 2nd. I do Zoom classes because of the pandemic. And so um, it's five weeks for two hours per class. We have monologue study or scene study. And then at the end of the five weeks, I do um, an industry showcase where online, um, Yolanda Hunt, who is our casting director on Inside the Black Box, she comes on and she gives constructive criticism. Spruce Henry, who's also a producer. So not only do I teach, but I also provide opportunities in my class for my friends to come in and see the work as well. So um, I'm an aspiring actor. I want to take classes with you. I can sign up. It's online right now because of the pandemic. Yes. And is it just the two of us, or is it a, still a class? Yeah, it's a class. And how many people? Well, I like to work with even numbers because it, I always pair people up. So um, our, my current class is 44. However, it's really 20, you know, 22 after we, you know, pair everyone up. Um, the monologue class is about 19 students. So you figure technically a monologue is supposed to be two minutes. So two times 19, but... 
you know, we give it a little more space because of nervousness and, <laughs> you know, things like that. So, um, so I mean, we we're all in high school in high school English. <laughs> Not all, I guess most of us, I hope, read Shakespeare uh, and Ooh. understand, you know, soliloquies and monologues. To my listeners, when you say a monologue, what do you mean? And okay. how does one practice that in your class? Great question. So a monologue is a speech that you can find in a play or it's very rare, but you can find monologues in movies like Good Will Hunting. Um, the late Robin Williams had a beautiful monologue with Matt Damon in the park. Um, and so you're looking for a piece that can show your versatility as an actor in two minutes. And so what I do in my class is I show you how to get a monologue where you can find a play, a film, and then a, a bookstore. You look, there are plenty of books that have contemporary monologues. And so once you find a monologue in a play, in a film, you know the whole story, but in a monologue book, it's like a script. The script is a blueprint. And the actor's job is to put on the arteries and the muscles and build the character. So in my classes, we learn how to build the character. We don't watch TV to, to, to hear. We watch TV to see. We'll turn the volume down and we'll still watch to see what they're doing. And that's what characteristics are. What do you do? So I show actors how to understand characters and understand their journey. If you don't have the experience of being in a foster home, then you don't understand that experience. So as your job as an actor is to find references, interview people, get as much research and referrals as possible so that you can at least understand the experience to be the character on that journey. Unfortunately, this podcast is only audio and not video because I absolutely love your blouse. I, it's, <laughs> it's, yeah. You're wearing just, it's just, it's so whimsical and fun. And oh. just, I like your blouse, by the way. But Thank uh, you. Sorry, I was just watching you, just speaking. I was in, I was listening to you. I was also entranced by, by your blouse. So I just finished watching House of Gucci. Okay. Okay. And I didn't read anything beforehand. So I came to it kind of cold. Didn't even know the story, by the way, of Me too. this situation. But I didn't know Lady Gaga was playing the wife. And I thought, well, if Lady Gaga's in there, there must be some kind of musical component. Uh-huh. I got to tell you something. There was no music. Lady Gaga was an actress. Yeah. And I don't know what the reviews are. On it. I really just saw this a day ago. Uh-huh. I thought she was fantastic in that. I thought she was absolutely wonderful. She... To me, I kept saying, she is really acting. Like, right. it is believable. I don't see Lady Gaga. Right. I see this role. I say all that to say this. There's something I saw in an interview with you, uh, you did on Arise, talking about how it's not, how actors need their words. And you did an exercise where you, one partner couldn't use words. Mm-hmm. And, it's interesting you did, and it's interesting you said that. Because when I was watching House of Gucci, and I was not paying attention to her words all the time. It was her facial expressions. She spoke so much by her facial expressions. And as a viewer, if you're not really paying attention, you don't you miss kind of like the, the small tilt of the head, yeah. right? The rearrangement of mm-hmm. the eye alignment. Small things yeah. that just go by you. But 
those things are speaking to you just like words, sometimes more powerfully than words, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, and I always do that in my class. I take words away from actors and keep them hostage because you, your, your whole tool, your whole body, that is your tool as an actor, facial expressions, hand gestures. When you're clear here with your thought and your inner voice should be active as an actor, like it is in real life, then you know how you hear that saying, you wear your emotions on your sleeve. You can read what people are thinking. You can feel and have a sensibility of how, you know, um, what they want to say, what they're hesitating. Listening is a part of acting and not just listening here, but listening here and listening in your heart and connecting mm. with this person. Because the idea is we're believing this. Right. Mm. We believe mm. that this you truly are that character. I have to say about Lady Gaga, I don't know her training or if she has an acting coach. But when I worked with Cardi B on Hustler, Jennifer Lopez has been with her acting coach for over 20 years. And I think that that says so much about um, these successful celebrities, because they know that in order for them to really encompass these characters, they have to invest in the training, in the research. And that's why you walked out like, wait, that was Lady Gaga? Wait, that was, you know, when 50 Cent lost all of that weight for that cancer-stricken character that he plays. People invest. And I think that when you invest, there's so much that can also transition, especially from musical artists. I've seen their growth going back to the music, their stage performance, their interaction with the audience. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So I'm, I'm glad you just said that. I was just saying to my mother, um, we were listening, we were working out together. I'm helping her lose some weight. Yay! And, uh, and uh, we were working out in my basement gym and I put on some classics for her that she would like. Okay. And, um, so we, on our cool down, we're listening to Patti LaBelle, one of my favorite Ooh, yes. music artists, right? Yes. So we're listening to Patti, and I was saying to my mother, and it was a live recording that I had that we're listening to, and I was saying to my mother, I said, have you ever been to one of her concerts? She said, no. I said, what? I said, Patti LaBelle, arguably, is one of the greatest performers in musical history. I said, she's a great singer. Don't get me wrong. She's got this range that is very few can imitate that range. Absolutely. But she's also a performer. Yes. When you go to her concert, it's a performance. And so my mother was like, well, what about Aretha? I said, well, Aretha was a great singer. Yeah. But Patti LaBelle is also a great performer. Yeah. There's a difference, yes. right? Yes. And so when you just said how when actors get better, uh, celebrities and musicians get better at acting, they also take it back um, to their performances as musicians. That makes a lot of sense because they're telling a story. They're playing a role. They're in character, right? Right. I When I first started coaching, one of the act, um, artists that I worked with was Faith Evans. And so um, the record company was like, you know, well, you know, this will help with her stage performance as well. And so I remember a conversation when I first met her and there's this distinction, right? It's like, well, I'm a singer, I'm a rapper, and then there's being an actor. No, actually they're one and the same. Check out your music videos. Check out how you encompass, even if you're playing Mary, Mary, you're playing Mary. <laughs> so it, it, it does have, you, you've been doing it already. Now it's just a little more concentrated and I'm going to give you some verbiage. I'm going to give you ideas and things like that. So that's how it, it, it 
just expands on your career. Do you believe that everyone could be an actor? Absolutely. I believe that everybody is an actor. Everybody wants to be an actor, whether they admit it or not. Everybody wants to be an actor. They think, oh, you know, I could do that. I remember when Martin came out, everybody around me was like, I could do that. I, I'm an actor. And I'm like, okay, it's not just lines, though. right? <laughs> but I'm glad you can memorize lines. But the truth is, if you don't understand what you're saying, then you're not going to portray the truth of this character. So there's work. It's like any other job, you know, you just don't want to go in it, not equipped. You don't want to go in it, you know, not understanding what the process and the protocol is. I love that you say that because people say, I could write a book. Everybody wants to write a book. Everyone has a book. They're just saying, oh, I'll just write a book. But there's, there's more to it than just sitting down and writing a book. I mean, yes. there's a, right? There's a there's an yeah. actual process. There's an art form to it. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 the thing is, is that, you know, I encourage everyone, if this is something that you want to pursue, if you want to be an actor, then train, you know, because this is the deal. When you go on set, nobody's going to hold your hand and say, OK, Dr. Ian Smith, there's your mark. Here's your light. Oh, and your first team. What's first team? The celeb like nobody, because the assumption is you're a professional. You know what to do, and you get paid to do it. Yeah, well, so, okay, I'm glad you said that. So, okay, someone's listening and saying, you know, I've been working in this job as an accountant, and it's so boring. I want to be an actor all my life. Talk to that accountant and tell him what he needs to do right now in order to start becoming an actor. So the first thing you need to do is you need to cancel out the noise because as an accountant, I'm assuming that you get paid very well and you have some sort of quote unquote security. So the noise is going to come. Why are you going to do that? That's a hobby. You'll never get cast. There's no work out there for people of color. The laundry list goes on and on. But when you cancel out the noise and you do the work, you take a class, you hone your craft, there's a comfort and a confidence that comes with that. And then you watch Inside the Black Box with myself and Jill Morton, then you're going to be motivated and inspired. And the next thing you know, you're going to be on a series or doing some starring role in a film. Okay. So I want to get to Inside the Black Box in a second, but I'm this accountant. I'm going to sign up for a class with you. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, I'm going to go online. I'm going to find the spirited actor. Are there different types of classes? You said mentioned monologue. Yes. Are there other types of things that you teach? Yes. So um, I just finished, um, as of tomorrow, I will be finished with a monologue class. And then on March 2nd through March 30th, I'm going to teach a class about character development and creating memorable characters. Because actors always go into these auditions wanting to get the role, right? I get that. But as a casting director, it's more power in being remembered because mm -hmm. I will keep calling you in with the specific character in mind over and over and over again until you book something with me. I'll talk about you to my other casting producer, director friends. Now your name is starting to circulate a little bit. And so it's just that one project, that one performance that we need to see. And then once that catches on, then your name is out there and the rest is history. It's so interesting. Like anything else in America, sometimes it's not always what you know, but it's who you know sometimes. Right. And it's networking, right? Yes. Um, yes. As you just said, one casting director has a friend and they tell somebody else about somebody else. You know, you still got to put the work in, but you also yes. have to be aware that you also want to be on the minds and tongues of other people. 
Right. And there are, you know, um, the pandemic has provided a lot of opportunities for us as casting directors. And also, um, you know, we're not just tapping into our resources, which are the breakdown services. But, you know, you go on YouTube, you can scan YouTube for talent. Um, Excuse me, you can scan the IG for talent. So there's opportunities that we don't have to leave our house anymore. Um, I started out in 88 as a casting director. So I would go to showcases, workshops. I was always on my feet looking for talent on the ground. Um, I cast New Jersey Drive and the director wanted authentic carjackers. You know, I was in Orange, New Jersey at that time. A little scary. Um, but, you know, um, that's how I learned as a casting director to not just the, you know, it's easy to go through the breakdowns because you're reaching out to actors, representatives and managers who are sending you these things. But, you know, to hear about this small show in the village and there's someone special there, you know, that's fun to be able to discover talent in that way. It's interesting. Uh, uh, a family friend is an African-American female makeup artist. And I have heard for years from her and being in the business myself on my side of the business and not seeing many black makeup artists who were at big shows, how difficult it was for African-Americans to get into the makeup artist union. Yes. And you need to be in the union in order yes. to get certain gigs. So it's kind of one of those tiered systems as far as being kept out. One, you got to be able to be in the union to be able to apply for certain gigs. But uh, in order to get into the union, you got to have a certain amount of work. Right. But you can't get the work if you're not. So it's one of those situations, right? Right. It, it, and by the way, uh, they're now finally shining a light on that, given the moment we are as a country. Um, and I said at the beginning of all this, that the, one of the greatest things about the George Floyd moment was that this type of institutional racism, whether overt or covert, intentional or unintentional it doesn't matter what happens now is the light is being shown on all industries on healthcare on education the legal profession the tv profession, you name it right, right. And it's, a, it's an important thing it's not this isn't people who are on the other side should not be afraid of this don't be upset at this this is this type of segregation has been happening and, and discrimination has been happening for so long right that it's important to have this conversation and I'm hoping that those who would say, I never knew this was the case. I'm hoping then that you're open-minded and open-hearted to realize that it's been happening and why people want things to change. I say all that to say this, I look at my friend's issue with being an African-American female makeup artist and being able to get into the union and do all these, these big shows. But I look at you because, you know, everyone sees the name of a casting director at the, in the credits, right? Right. But no one really thinks about the casting director. They, they just don't. No. <laughs> so I'm wondering, I'm wondering how many African-Americans are in that orbit where they are casting Terminator, mm. uh, Superman, Spider-Man, and all the Matrix. How many African-American casting directors actually get the call to cast these huge, big budget, quote unquote, important films? Very few, very few. And um, when Clubhouse started, um, there was a conversation about how now white casting directors are coming into the black filmmaking world to cast black films. 
And, you know, um, some of the casting directors were, you know, it's kind of challenging for us. And now you're going to come in and take the work that, you know, we basically have created on our own because we don't have workable budgets. We don't get a chance to sit at that table. We don't have green light positionings. So, um, but the resilience of black people and people of color is undeniable, undeniable. You know, and this was 18 years, this idea that I had, and I never thought of giving up. I just felt like one day there's going to be timing. And I agree with you a thousand percent that George Floyd Floyd moment in terms of um, white people, whether you say woke or consciousness, there was a shift that at that time, what can we do? Let's focus on solutions. And inside the black box was there. And Crackle TV saw that and and, and became brave and courageous to take it on because you have to be. Well, let's talk. I have not seen. I talked to Joe Morton, who's your partner. Yes. Is, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm being honest. I haven't had a chance to see it yet. I'm excited to see it. Yes. But let's talk about inside the black box, why, what it is and why you started it. And, and, and as a, a context and background, uh, I loved Inside the Actor Studio, by the way. Yeah. Um, but so I, I so go ahead. Let me hear what you have to say. Well, about 18 years ago, and really prior to that, but 18 years ago was when the thought came because um, prior to that, it was just the frustration of having conversation with my black colleagues or people of color, where I'm always the only one in the room, and to hear the conversations that go on that other people have that they don't think about to a black director to say to me, Tracy, can you tell that black actor to be a little more ghetto or urban? And I refuse to do that. I always played dumb and said, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know how to articulate that. And for that to be acceptable when it's insulting mm. or to have people say to me when I'm going over, you know, my list of possibilities. And then after the meeting, someone pulling my coattail and saying, Tracy, you are so articulate. You speak so well. That is an insult. Would you rather me speak jumbo? Like <laughs> I didn't understand that. And then I felt like talking to my other colleagues who had the experiences or even worse experiences, like how can we get these stories out? How can we let people know the challenges as a black person and people of color that we have in this industry in 2022? And so six years ago, I was blessed to my friend Cassidy Arkins took me to iHeartRadio where I met Spruce Henry, who thought this was an amazing idea, bought me to Dr. Dave Colon, who was like, Tracy, this is a TV show and you're going to host it. Um, and then partnered up with um, Rachel Weintrop, which who um, at that time, Rachel and I had worked on a show prior, like 10 years. So we had already had a synergy for these people to believe and trust this idea. And then David, um, um, Dave Colin to invest in the sizzle. That's in order for anything to happen and change, you need people on board who believe and who trust. And that's what they did. And so when we, when Joe called me and he was like, Tracy, how's the show going? I was like, well, we need a celebrity who has a production company. He was like, Tracy, I'm a celebrity. I have a production company. And I was like, well, that, that works. <laughs> so, you know, we partnered up. And of course, when you have Emmy award winning Joe Morton, the wheels start to turn a little more faster. 
connections, and then eventually getting to Crackle TV um, Landmark. Um, um, they, Bob and Scott and um, Dave Ozer, they came to Crackle and, and then that the rest is history. And so um, tell us about what uh, the black box in the black box, what is it? What does it do? So what Joe and I do is um, I'd like to think that a lot of these guests are friends. Felicia Rashad was Joe's friend. Marquand Smith, who created um, Godfather of Harlem, is a friend of mine for over 25 years. I've been on his journey of that for 18 years. And so what we do is we provide a safe haven for actors to trust us and tell their stories, their authentic stories. You know, Darnell Martin talks about, um, as a director, how she constantly has to fight with white um, executives, right? Um, uh, she told a white executive for a project, I have five black casting directors that I'm thinking of. And the executive said, oh my God, I didn't know it was that many black casting directors out there. Five in 2022, I can name five quickly. So. <laughs> Um, we need to educate. We need to bring these things to light because the only way we're going to learn from each other and about each other, um, we're not going to have the same experience. When my son leaves my house, I have a monologue. He's 26. I have a monologue for Miles. I hug him and I kiss him and I say, I love you. Like, I don't want him to know that I feel this might be the last time or anything like that. But that's how I have to address my son when he leaves the house. That's real. And so you may not understand that experience, but to enlighten you on that experience, you're going to think a little more. You're going to, this is, that's unheard of. Like, so, and then the other part of it is having these dynamic actors that I get a chance to work with in my Zoom classes or my private classes that come and really drive this show with their passion and their curiosity and just their vulnerability and say and and encourage to say, okay, I'm here, I'm clay, let's play. They'll mold me, shape me, and all of those things. So that balances it out because we do have conversation that's uncomfortable. And we have to get comfortable being uncomfortable with these stories and moving in the direction of solutions because we all know what the problems are. Tracy, you as an African American female casting director, you would not be able to successfully and intuitively cast a movie like Shakespearean Love. You wouldn't be able to cast a movie like Downton Abbey. Mm. Um, you can't relate to these things. These You don't understand these periods. You don't understand these mores of these people. Why would I hire you as an African-American cast, because I see you, by the way, as an African-American casting director, why would I hire you to cast something like Downton Abbey? What, you have nothing to do with that. Because I think that, well, my experience in coming into this business has been white projects. My name is Tracy Moore. It's generic. You don't know what I am or who I am. And so back in the day in the 88, we had faxes. So I would fax my resume and people would see my credits and I would get hired. And then the comedy was going to the office, walking in the door and it's like, oh, <laughs> oh, uh, you know, like I didn't see it. Right. And then what makes I think a black casting director and people of color, our job is double. Right. Because we're expected to know, expected to know every single black or person of color. Right. 
But then the cherry on top is that we know white actors too. So when I go into these job interviews in my past, I'm saying, yes, Sanaa Lathan, you know, Terrence Howard, Lorenz Tate. But then I also have to incorporate Ileana Douglas. I also have to incorporate, you know what I mean? And then it's like a Parky Poser or Posey or whoever. And then it's like, not only is she a black casting director, but she's a casting director. <laughs> and then I get the job. Yeah. You know, but my my other counterpart who's white doesn't have to jump through those hoops like that. Can you imagine how different of a world it would be if you didn't have all those hoops? Just think, oh. just take, take a moment and think about it's not gonna happen in our lifetime, probably, but just yeah, let's take a moment together and think about how amazing an experience it would be if we could pursue the passions in our chosen fields without always feeling like we have an extra hurdle to climb. Think about that. I pray that it is in my granddaughter's lifetime. She's nine. Um, because when George Floyd, specifically George Floyd, was murdered and on CNN they had composites all over the world, Australia, UK, for me, that was the first time I felt loved as a black person in America, because America has never been great to me. I My great grandparents were sharecroppers. So um, I grew up in the late 60s in San Francisco with the Black Panthers right across the street in Oakland. And my parents being very pro-black, I didn't know until I went to the first grade that Lift Every Voice was not the national anthem because that's what I was raised to believe, right? So. In having the experience, I've had the experience of being in a high school that was all white, a thousand girls and 10 of us are black or of color. And so what I found empowering and I continue to find empowering is that I'm very comfortable in my own skin. I'm very comfortable in who I am and who I represent and whose shoulders that I stand on. And I'm always gonna walk with that and posture with that. Because we as people of color, and we we constantly rip down ceilings. We have billionaires now. I grew up when they said that black men could not be um, NFL coaches because they couldn't hold the, um, the strategies and the plays in their head. That was the reason when I grew up. So as we continue to break down barriers and walls and rip down ceilings, to me, it would behoove the show business at large to tap in because we haven't done a tenth of our stories. And how mm. rich and richer could this entertainment business be with that? Oh, wow. Well said. Well said. It's, um, you know, I think about this and I think about Denzel Washington. I think about Will Smith. Whoopi Goldberg, mm. I think about these A-list actors who are African-American, mm -hmm. but I also think about how many more are out there who have never gotten a chance yeah. to be on that stage and how it's a dripple drab effect of, well, here's one here, here's yeah. one here, here's one there. I just can't help but agree with you how much richer Mm. the entertainment would be mm -hmm. if it was more inclusive and if it embraced 
all of us, mm-hmm. and it was, was more open-minded. Not and by the way, not just about our stories, right? But our ability to be part of other stories exactly. and tell other stories, right? Right, right. I was um, the other day. There was a project. Um, I'll just kind of. I won't mention the name of it, but there's a project, right? That. Um, and and you would think of this you would you would this makes sense right so during um slavery um there was a group of gospel uh a, a gospel group that toured you know up and down the southern coast right and but this was the the the, the obstacle was the KKK mm. so you can only imagine what that story entails but i had never heard and this is a true story Mm. So and imagine the people who didn't know about Tulsa. Imagine people who didn't know about Wall Street. There, I mean, the young people. It's like really there was. Oh my God! You know how many stories we can pull just from that one story and POVs that we can do on that <laughs> one story. That's right. That's right. You know what I mean? What happened to the people after it was all bombed and people were dead? What happened to those families and those people? How did they pull their so? I think that it really, really, if we're talking about, and you know this, if we're talking about the bottom line is money, then we need to do more of these stories. 100%. You know what the greatest export is? I tell my family, we travel, my family, we travel the world. We, we're big I travel. love traveling. Me too. Big travel. And I tell my kids all the time, the greatest American export is pop culture. Mm. And pop culture is led by black people, black artists. Bottom line. I'm, just being, I'm just being honest. No. I'm being honest. I'm yes. not saying I'm not saying white artists aren't good, that nope. they're not popular. No. Nope. I'm telling you, when I'm in Japan mm. and I'm on the Great Wall of China, okay? Yep. And I'm seeing young Chinese kids with a New York Yankees cap to the side and jeans hanging, I'm telling you. Pop culture is America's greatest export. Um, and what about, because I know you've seen it, but have you seen the Japanese kids with the coarse hair? Okay. 100%. 100%. 100%. So it just makes me think that it's a really bad business decision not to tap in to us. And we're right here. Right here. When we have global appeal. Right. Yes. And we our do. Products, right. Our products could have global appeal since it's all about the bottom line. Right. If you want to make money, we went. We can sell that movie over and over and over and over again in Sweden and Denmark and down in China. Right. And Germany. I just find it kind of interesting. So let me say this to you. I believe that I am a great actor. So do I. I've seen you from ABC to your <laughs> show. I've seen you. But can I tell you something? Thank, my wife's not here, thank goodness. My wife and my kids, <laughs> when I say that, they're like, oh, here's dad again. But let me tell you why I say that. I'm not bragging. Okay. Okay. Let me tell you why I say that. Okay. I say that because, number one, I love getting lost Ooh. into a different world mm-hmm. and into a different being. Mm-hmm. I love the feeling of that, number mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Number two, I like the pressure of performing. Mm. I love Someone said to me the other day, how is it taping shows, blah, blah, blah. I said, I, I'm okay taping shows, 
but I love to do live performances. Mm. He said, why? I said, because the pressure is on me mm. to get it right. And if I get it wrong, I still have to make it work. Absolutely. <laughs> so I, I like performance. And here's the third thing. I love story. Oh. I love story. I can watch anything from, you know, Downton Abbey, a right. period piece that has nothing to do with my history of my people. Right. All the way to, you know, um, uh, Straight Outta Compton. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. I just love a good story. And so I believe that I have the bones to be a great actor. Now, to the point you made earlier, you have so much other stuff going on, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. How does one do this and still do that? Well, this is, you call me, Dr. Ian Smith. That's what you do. You call me and we design a schedule that works for your schedule because there's no reason in the world you should not be pursuing this. As a casting director, I don't need to know your age, but I'm going to tell you your range. To me, in looking at you, your range is like 29, because I don't see any hair, but 29 to like 32, 34. Your range that's what your range is to me, right? And we know you can play a doctor authentically. Right. You know the verbiage. You know the terminology. You would sit in that so comfortably on a Grey's Anatomy, right? <laughs> and then you're you just in your work alone, you're a counselor. You are a motivator. You inspire. Life coach, counselor, principal. You know, these are the type of things that I would throw at you in terms of the characters that you can play. And also, you are handsome, so leading man should be in that as well. (laughs) Well, let me say this. Okay, so now that you said all that, I would like you, we're going to close soon, and I'm going to give you my last, what's called the random seven questions. But I would like you to talk to my listeners right now, because I know that there's at least one person, at least, who's always dreamt of acting. And they need someone to motivate them, even though motivate's not the word I like to use because I think people, I don't think you can motivate people, I think you can inspire. They mm. need to be inspired by someone. I want you to talk to them and tell them that they can do it. Well, first of all, I want to ask them why would they not think they could? Mm. And then when we find out the source of that, right? Because a lot of actors don't feel enough. That's there's usually some childhood, something, something, something. So we have to address those things because the thing that you need more than anything in anything that you do is confidence. And how do you build that confidence? So you build that confidence by just getting as much information as possible so that you have a solid foundation to stand on. That's training. And then you have to shut out the noise because as soon as you pursue your dreams, what you do to other people who don't, you remind them that they're not. And that's where the gimme monsters and the hate and all these EG comments come from. you got to silence the noise. Nobody, like Marquand Smith says on one of our shows, nobody is dreaming for you. That's your dreams in your head. You're on this journey alone, but all you need is one other person that believes in you as well, that can be that reminder, like, yeah, you're going to have that kind of day, but you know what? Get back in it. So what? Mm. 18 years. Can you imagine it at year 15 that I said, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. 
Danny DeVito had 275 auditions. Can you imagine at 199, he said, I'm giving up? We would have never had Taxi the way Taxi is. So mm. we in this world, in this society, we think negative first. We have to, we have to check in on our mind because our mind can play tricks and take us into the abyss of darkness and um those never roll i'm too fat i need plastic surgery botox like but if you celebrate the the great things that you have i have great eyes i have a great voice i have a strong posture and okay. then train to build that confidence and then surround yourself around people that champion you as well and who are for you because sometimes our family and friends, the closest people are the ones that can hurt us the most. So we have to build a slight armor for that. You don't have to disown them. But mm -hmm. T.D. Jake says sometimes we have to love our family and friends from afar. And mm -hmm. we have to stay within. We'll focus on, oh, my cousin hates me and this and that. But what about that person who sent you? I got flowers from my neighbors who I don't really, I, I know them, but I don't know them like my family. I'm going to focus on those people who gave me the flowers instead of, you know, a relative who is like, hey, you know, um, why are you thinking at this late age? You know, I'm a woman of a particular age to start this, to do this. I'm still living. I still have breath. I can still do it. I just love this. Uh, this, you know, one podcast is not enough with you. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, and this is why, by the way, uh, I said to Ken, uh, Ken Johnson's our producer. And he wanted me to interview you, and he can hear this. He wanted me to interview you and Joe Morton at the same time. And I said, no, I won't do it. I'll take a pass. Because, well, because you are two people who have two things to say. And mm. and I can't get what I need to get out of you both. And this isn't a press junket. I'm not doing a press junket. I want to talk to people. I can't Aww. talk to you guys together. So, so this is, you. so Ken, you're listening. This is why, by the way, uh, I said no. And this is why I wanted to be done this way. Uh, Tracy, you have a book. Yes. The Spirited Actor Principles for a Successful Audition. You can purchase it at authorshouse.com or Amazon. It's it's there as well. And tell people once again how to get in touch with you to get um, classes with you. So if you want to get classes, you can email. It's team, T-E-A-M, Tracy, T-R-A-C-E-Y, more, M-O-O-R-E, and it's T-S-A at gmail.com. T-S-A is the spirited actor. So team Tracy Moore, T-S-A at gmail.com. Perfect. Okay, here's my, um, real fast, I have seven mm -hmm. quick questions I ask. Okay. Um, they're just your answers. They're random questions. You ready? Okay, yes. What makes Tracy Moore really angry? Uh, um people not pursuing their dreams. Thank you for that one. Um, if you were not a producer, an acting coach, and all the things you do in the entertainment industry, what would you be doing? I cannot imagine doing anything else. This is at six years old in St. Dominic's Playground. I made the decision to be a director and work with actors. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> Who have you always had a crush on and why? <laughs> Joe Morton. <laughs> That's good. Because of brothers from a brother from another planet. Okay. <laughs> um, 
Who have you not met who you would like to sit down and have dinner with and why? Alive or deceased? I would like to sit down and have dinner with Denzel Washington. Um, I've never met him. I've never worked with him, but I saw him in a play that a lot of people don't know about. So I hold on to this question so that in, and this happened in 1987. So when I finally meet him, I could say, I saw you in this play. And then I feel like things are going to connect with us. <laughs> okay. That's great. <laughs> um, what does success look like to you? Success looks like my daughter, Radiance, my daughter, my son, Miles, and my granddaughter Soraya, seeing the opportunity to witness the manifestation of this idea that I had and for them to be empowered in knowing they can be, do, and have anything that they choose because I'm a constant reminder of that. And to be able to plant that in them, um, that's, that's successful to me. Three of the greatest actors of all time. When you think of great actors, what names come to your head? Um, and honestly, it does. Joe Morton, Viola Davis, and um, Russell Hornsby. Russell Hornsby was 23 years old when I discovered him. I was doing a Miller Lite commercial. And the only reason why Russell didn't get it is because he was in 25. Liquor commercials and smoking, 25, right? Um, but I had the absolute pleasure of coaching him on a play in a play called Intimate Apparels. And there was this um, actress who we kind of knew from um, the Antoine uh, Fisher story. Um, and so Viola Davis was um, the third credit in this. It was uh, Lauren Velez, Russell Hornsby. And um, I knew when I, when I met Russell on the commercial, I knew that he was going to be a, a major player in this game. And um, so those three actors to me <sighs> embody strength. Um, just uh, and, and also the main thing, these three actors, they're not looked at in this industry as black actors. They're looked at as actors and they can do anything. And I think that's just to get to that level where... Um, you know, they'll change a role for Viola. That's power. Mm. Last question. A hundred years from now, Oof. someone has stumbled upon an article that was written about Tracy Moore. What would you like that article to say? I would like that article to say that Tracy Moore traveled 3,000 miles with $200, a one-way ticket, and a trunk from San Francisco to help people and to help people initially be better actors, but in the in understanding my journey and purpose, it's to help people dream and watch their dreams manifest into something tangible and real. Tracy Moore, thank you for helping to light up our screens and give our life a little levity. Thank you thank for joining you, the conversation. Thank you, Dr. Ian Smith. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to the conversation today. I hope it has a positive impact on your life. Of course, you can reach out to me and follow me on social. On Twitter, it's at Dr. Ian Smith, D-R-I-A-N Smith. On Instagram, at Dr. Ian Smith. Make sure you spell the doctor out, I-A-N Smith. And on Facebook, Dr. Ian Smith.
And of course, if you want to transform your life starting in eight weeks, pick up a copy of my new book. It's called Burn, Melt, Shred. And join our Facebook group by the same name, Burn, Melt, Shred. I do Facebook live sessions, Zoom sessions, all free to help you transform your life. And make sure you check out my website, www.dr.iansmith.com. Make sure you spell out the doctor. Take care. Conversations with Dr. Ian Smith is hosted by Dr. Ian Smith, associate producer Ariel Mancibo, executive producers Ian Smith and Ken Johnson. Find the Conversations with Dr. Ian Smith podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts, or on IG at Dr. Ian Smith. Conversations with Dr. Ian Smith is a Mean Old Line Media production.